one of the uh, most common ways that Jesus is portrayed in the gospel is as a healer, other than his sermons and uh, obviously the great miracle of his resurrection from the dead after his disgraceful death on the cross, um, the evidence that he is the Son of God, his proof of identity, is that he heals people. He heals paralyzed people, blind people, deaf people, people with withered hands, people with bad fevers. Just going around curing all the time that anyone who even touches the hem of his garment receives this immense healing power. And people at the time, of course, would have noticed that this was a fulfillment of all sorts of prophecies from the Old Covenant about the promised one to come, the Messiah, that he would be uh, a savior in the sense of sav, that word Salvador or Salvatore in, in Latin comes from the same word as salve, this healing balm. In the first reading from Isaiah, we see that um, this prophesied Messiah will come with divine recompense to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf be cleared. Then will the lame leap like a staff. Then the tongue of the mute will sing. So this physical aspect of our healing and of our redemption is very much present throughout the Old and the New Testament. That Jesus' um, spiritual and deep inner healing that he brings to all of humanity finds itself in this, in this manifestation of physical miracles. And lest we think that those, oh, those were the old days when miracles happened, that they're still happening today. I once heard a story, I knew a priest um, down in central Illinois who, who prayed very uh, boldly for signs and wonders, a bit of a charismatic, and one of the women in his parish was deaf. She had gone deaf because of, a, of an ailment. And they prayed uh, very fervently for her uh, with faith that God, if he willed, would heal her. And sure enough, after many months of praying with her and, and asking God for this favor, during Easter Vigil Mass, during one of the songs, she said she heard this kind of popping, and all of a sudden her ears were cleared, and she could hear, and it was this great miracle, and she began weeping. Miracles happen on that level, also on the level of secondary causes. We have many medical students and doctors here today. Um, have you ever seen the videos of people when they first get their cochlear implant? There's a famous video of a, of a woman. She had like a sleeve tattoo. She was kind of a hipster-looking lady. And all of a sudden, uh, her, she's able to hear her boyfriend or her husband, I can't remember, but for the first time, hear his voice looking at him. And the, the look on her face of just astonishment at the gift of hearing, which we all take for granted. But miracles like this happen all around us all the time. But as I was hinting at earlier, the real healing that Jesus is after... He's not just um, like a witch doctor or, or a healing minister going around and um, getting contracted out by hospitals so that they can get their sickest patients better, quicker. He's really after this deep inner spiritual healing, the healing of all of humanity, of the disease of sin that's alienated them from God. And these physical miracles are but a sign of that. And so, in a way, whenever we read a story like this deaf man who's healed by Jesus in the Decapolis, we can put ourselves in his place. We're meant to put ourselves in his place. It's not just a story that happened many, many years ago. But it's a process that's going on in each and every one of our hearts and our inner life right here and right now. Have you ever done this? Put yourself in the position of one of these people healed by Jesus. Like, for instance, this one today. Jesus goes off to the Decapolis 
which is the city on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a Greek-speaking city. Apparently, his reputation has preceded him because people are all about him coming and healing their sick. And they bring to him this deaf man. And he can't hear anything. Maybe, he, maybe they have some form of sign language, Aramaic sign language, I don't know. Or if he could read lips. Doesn't say whether he was born deaf or whether he went deaf, whether he knew what it was like to hear and then lost it, or if he's, he can't even imagine what sound is like. But in any case, he must have been surprised when this strange man with a beard and probably kind eyes takes him off to the side away from the crowd, it says, and begins putting his fingers in his ears and his mouth and spitting and saying strange words, Ephatha. And all of a sudden, his ears are open. He hears that pop. And the speech impediment that his deafness had left him with, that he couldn't speak intelligibly, is freed up. His tongue is freed. He's looking Jesus right in the face, and he has this miracle happen to him. What do you think the first thing is that he says? I think it would be something like, thank you. (laughs) Praise God. Or maybe he's just brought to tears and weeps out of gratefulness. But that's each and every one of us. That God takes us apart. Tries, us, tries to get us away from the noise of the crowd to speak through our deafness. That's the spiritual rule of thumb that we can learn from this gospel. That you can always count on the fact that God is speaking. But sometimes we can't hear him, either because of our own inner deafness or because of the noise of the crowd around us. Jesus has the power to break through it. But we have to let him. I remember I was once in a class on prayer teaching us about the discernment of spirits. And Father Tim Gallagher, who's an expert in this um, topic, the discernment of spirits, especially in Ignatian spirituality, was talking to us of a hypothetical situation, and it really stuck in my mind. I don't know if this was based in his own experience on someone that he knew or whether this was just a pure hypothetical. But he said, say, for instance, that there's a man who has a good job, makes a lot of money. He spent most of his life through his youth and in his schooling looking forward to having every comfort that he could possibly have. He was very intelligent and hardworking. And he got a good job and he worked really hard and he had a lot of money. But it didn't really satisfy him. And he began to look around for other satisfactions. He had his faith in the back of his mind and he went to church every once in a while, but it really wasn't a priority and he never really got anything out of it. And he began just by happenstance and human weakness to begin being unfaithful to his wife. And he was in this relationship with another woman who made him feel good, but he also knew that deep down made him feel bad and insincere and like a liar and a fraud. And he also gave himself all sorts of other passes on his honesty and his work and his accounting and everything else. And his life looked okay from the outside, but on the inside he knew that it really was out of order. And he was deeply ashamed, deeply guilty, but he didn't want to confront that. And so he just continues to surround himself with noise. Whenever he feels that restlessness, he finds something to quiet it or to at least drown it out. And then one day, he's got a long drive back from work and it's rush hour and he knows it's going to take him about an hour. And what he normally does in the car is he turns on either talk radio or music or something to drown out the noise, something to drown out the boredom. But he has this feeling, this one day, 
that he's just not going to turn the radio on, or maybe that he shouldn't. Maybe he should just sit in the silence. And maybe it's that hour in the car, and it's that little push of the button, or lack thereof, that will save his entire life, that will save his soul. That's the stakes. And it just looks like whether or not he's going to turn the radio on in this moment and continue on the same path, drowning out the noise, or whether he's going to let God in his providence take him apart, away from the crowd, away from the noise, and reveal his heart to him, to shout through his deafness, to open up his ears and open up his tongue, to live in the light and to speak in the light. You can always take for granted that God, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is laboring to love you. He's trying to say something to you, to speak a word of mercy and love. But a lot of times, we don't want to hear it. A lot of times, we prefer to keep him at arm's length. But look at this Jesus in the Gospel, coming right at the man, into his weakness, into his deafness, touching him, coming close to him, looking at him in the eye. He wants to do that with each and every one of us if we let him. But he won't force us. He won't make us his slaves. He'll only have us as his sons and daughters. So let us let God take us apart. Let us let God speak to our hearts to open our ears and open our tongues. 